This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Saints for a touchdown! It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans! We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Week 13 in the books for the Black and Gold. Now we go Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller, Jeff Nowak. And another tough one. Can't sugarcoat anything, obviously. Dig a hole early. Claw your way back. Come up short. Oh, and kind of lose a quarterback in the process. And although some fans kind of might be happy about that, Jeff. So I had one person respond on Twitter after tweeted like Derek Carr went out of the game and they were like, were the fans cheering because Derek was leaving the game? I'd like to think that they were cheering in terms of like, oh, he got up and walked off. Yay. Good, good, good. But I don't know. No, because you're, you're right. There was a point in that game anytime Taysom would come in and then Carr would come back out, the, the booze would come out when Carr would enter the game again. I've never seen that. I've, I've The only time oh, I've wow. ever seen an individual player get booed is like during a game where someone came back. Like when Anthony Davis came back to New Orleans and he touched every time he touched the ball, there would be these cascading boos. Or if you go to San Antonio – Greg Popovich will yell at you because you're booing Kawhi Leonard, like that sort of thing. Yeah, right. I have never seen a home crowd boo a specific player for coming on the field. And, you know, part of it is there was a moment to boo him, like so that everyone right. could direct a boo at a specific person. Like you that doesn't happen. Like, normally, you. Right. Well, normally you wouldn't be able to, like, it wouldn't be obvious who you were booing. You would just be kind of booing the team at large. Whereas in this case, you knew exactly what the entire crowd was booing. And I was like, that's wild. Anyway, so we're going to get into this 33-28. As I've always said, if you're going to go down 21 nothing, you might as well do it in the first five minutes of the game. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about all that all that malarkey that went on today. And, you know, I, I, I predicted the Saints would win this game. And the funny thing is the game went pretty similarly to how I thought it was going to go after the first five minutes of the game when the Lions scored 21 of their 33 points. 
anyway, we'll talk about that. This first segment, we're going to kind of get into takeaways, reactions, that sort of thing. I have a I have a strong belief that this team would be better if Taysom Hill had been the quarterback the whole time, but that's all. We'll get into it. We'll talk about Derek Carr's injury, all that stuff. Second segment. So we're going to do this a little differently. The second segment, we're going to kind of combo it in the what did what didn't work, what did work, because there's not a lot of things that did work, but there are a few things that are worth mentioning. So I don't want to make that a whole segment. So we'll just kind of combo that in the second segment. Final segment will be a mailbag. So if you're watching, you want to get in the comment, question, tell me I'm dumb, fair game. You know, one person on Twitter was like, you said the red zone was the only thing that had to be fixed. And if they fixed it, they would never lose a game ever. And I was like, well, it's not really that simple. I don't think that's what I necessarily said. And, you know, I think that the only reason that they had a chance in this game was that they fixed the red zone and they went four for four in the red zone. But, you know, it's never that and there's nuance to this situation. And then someone was like, well, I don't understand why that guy's being so mean to you. You're pretty, I think you're pretty fair. And I was like, it's okay. If people weren't yelling at me on Twitter, I don't know what I would do with myself. I don't know if I would, if I could be at home on that app, if people weren't being mean to me, it's like, it gives me life. It, it fuels me. So do it. I don't mind. I'm like Derek Carr. Do it to do it to me. Don't do it to Steve. He can't handle it. That's why you, um, you know you're doing well when you got the haters, like Cat Williams says. So yeah, yeah, yeah. If you ain't got no haters, and you ain't popping, right? Right. Exactly. That's what Mike said. And now Mike T is like hating on his own team. I don't know. It's weird. Um, Mike T. Yeah. It's a good thing you finally did deactivate Twitter, but it should have been done long before this evening's game kicked off. I guess. Let's start with that <laughs> because. I don't know about you, but like, you know, it's like, and you could agree with Mike, you could disagree with Mike. I don't even know what he's necessarily trying to say in certain instances. Like he said, like A.T. Perry was wide open. Then he was like, I'm not throwing shade, but I have (laughs) eyes. And then if your eyes don't work, people get hurt. And it's like, he's tweeting like someone who's not on the team anymore. So does he not plan to come back? Because to me, like that's my takeaway. And like, whether you want to say, well, Mike's right or whatever. I don't even know what Mike is actually trying to say. And just, I mean, like you can interpret it how, however you want, but like Mike is very mercurial in the way that he tweets. And I never, I'm going to read anything he says at face value. I'm going to, but either way, like these are tweets of someone who does not sound like he's on the team anymore. So maybe he doesn't, maybe he thinks he's done for the year. Maybe he is done for the year. I don't know, but either way, that's just not a good look for, I don't know. Like, what is that? The the one that I think really stands out, at least for me, is go, the, I'm, I'm going to read when your eyes don't work, you get people hurt. It's no mystery. And it's something that needs to be studied. What's that saying? Is it a rap lyric or is it about the quarterback? Right. Well, that's you know part of the reason I don't ever to jump to conclusions about what Mike is talking about is because Maybe he is quoting something. Maybe Drake said that at some point. I don't know, but yeah, it's it's not a it, it's not a positive look. And you know, it's if I'm the team, if I am the coaches and and the players, it's just like really, like why are you subtweeting your team as they're playing? It's just not a, I, I don't know. It, like it it sounds very much to me like a guy who will not be coming back to this team. And so that's kind of my read on it is. He feels like his time with the Saints is done. And and the weirdest part is like, this is the same guy who on the same social media app said, thank you, Jesus, right. or thank exactly. God about them signing Derek Carr. And it was his whole, he championed the idea. And now he's the one who's subtweeting his own offense? I, I don't know. It, it's just very much like, 
you know, you get to a stage as a wide receiver and like, you've seen this happen. This is not unusual in like, like Chad Johnson was kind of that way. And like, he like later in his career, it was like, he's very, very much a look at me thing. And Mike has never been a look at me guy in terms of like, he's a hard worker. He's going to, you know, and, and then I I don't know, something's going on. So uh, it's weird. We can, we can move on from it. The, I'm not a fan of it. Whether he's right or wrong, I'm not I, like I just think that's a bad look. No, like Mike used to ha- do hashtag shh back in the day. That's what he should be doing. It is funny, and, and that is a good segue into you know we talked to a lot of the players about. Well, did you hear the booze? What did you think of the booze? Uh, booze as in B O S, not B O O S E, which is what we're drinking. But all the players were kind of consistent. Like I asked James Hurst. And he was like, yeah, it's kind of white noise. Taste, they asked Taysom Hill. And he was like, yeah, you know, we're kind of in the zone. We're listening to the plays. We got helmets on. We don't hear it. But it all kind of flew in the face of what DA had said like five minutes earlier, which was yeah. basically like, how can you not hear it? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I do think it kind of goes into this bigger picture of like, there is a disconnect going on, even in the messaging. Like, this is not a healthy ecosystem in terms of a franchise, no matter what the coaching staff is going to say, DA is going to, going to act like, Oh, there's some, there's a lot of confidence that we're going to pull out of that because we almost came back from this insurmountable deficit that we created ourselves. But like, you don't get into that type of hole. You don't have a defense come out flat like that. Like the reason that defense turned things around is because they were like, it's still the first quarter. We can't, like, we're not going to get another job if we come out here and, and put this tape on, we have to show some pride. And they did. Like they played, they played prideful that defense in the second half of that game. And, but like you, you look at like, there was, it was lifeless. It was listless in that first three drives of that game. And that includes the, the fun, the turnover uh, on the first play of the saints offense, but it's just not, it's not good. It's not good. And I don't know, you know, like Mickey is going to come out on Tuesday and talk on WWL and say, you know, we have the right people in the building and all this stuff. But it's like, I'd like to think that the management is not, the front office is not watching that game and being like, I see signs. I see it. It's it's building. We're so close. Because it's not. You're not close. You're, if anything, you're getting further away. Like this team is playing worse in week 13 than it was in week five. Yeah. And after it got to 21 nothing, it didn't feel like, I, I give them at least that much credit to have that at least that oomph to fight and and make it a game, but I I did not expect the lines to jump on them like that, and it was just a way too quick of a turn where it was just bing bang boom that the lines came out, drove down the field right away, turnover sucks, short field, they're in the end zone again, and then I think was did the Saints go three and out after that too, and then the lines got again, yes. And, <laughs> yes. And, yes. And, and yeah, it just happened too quickly between the run game and the, the, the inability to ever stop anyone's tight end now is uh, unbelievable. <laughs> it's crazy. It's it's crazy. Um, and we'll talk more about that in the next segment. But, you know, one of the things that's really bizarre is the last time the Saints played the Lions oh. was in 2020. Right. And so. Here, here's here's what I'll say. First drive, the Lions get the ball. Seven plays, 80 yards in three minutes and 45 seconds, touchdown. Next play, first play from scrimmage from the Saints. Interception. 
uh, Lions get the ball. Three plays, 17 yards. Touchdown. Okay, that was today. That was in 2023. You want to go back to 2020? First possession, eight plays, 77 yards, three minutes and two seconds. Touchdown. First play from scrimmage, Drew Brees throws an interception. <laughs> Lions, three plays, 18 yards. Touchdown in a minute and 21 seconds. This is... You, I don't, I can't think of another NFL game off the top of my head that started this way. I I cannot genuinely think of another game. The Saints last two games against the Lions have been a shot for shot remake of how to get down 14 to nothing in less than five minutes. (laughs) Like, that's so bizarre. And it's like different players, right? Like that was Matt Stafford on the Lions. It was Drew Drew Brees. Drew Brees as the quarterback who was in the Superdome today for the Saints. And now it's Jared Goff and Derek Carr. But like, that's so weird. (laughs) That's just, that doesn't happen. That's totally, I don't know. Did you remember that? Or you just happened to be looking at the last time they played? Well, I remembered that the Saints, the last time they played, they got down 14 to nothing. And that was a really weird game. I wasn't there for it. It was a COVID game. Um, Michael Burton tested positive for COVID like on the flight over and it turned out to be a false positive. And so everyone was freaking out that like, cause he was on the plane and that was at that point, if you were in close contact with somebody, you would get dinged. Like remember that game against the the Panthers where the entire running back room was gone. Remember that game against the Broncos where they lost their entire quarterback room because they were close contacts. It was like, we were on the plane with this guy. We're all close contacts. Um, And then it turned out to be a false positive. And then, but everyone was up to like 3 a.m. the night before. And the Saints actually came back and won that game 35-29. Traquan Smith had a big game that day. Um, And uh, Alvin Kamara had a big catch on a wheel route. I think that's like the last time he's made a big catch on a wheel route. Um, And it was a great game to watch. It was fun. And And honestly, you know, you watch this game and it was actually a fun game to watch in terms of the way they came back. Right. Um, the problem is you just never Hard felt stuff. like they were going to get over the hump the way that they needed to and the way that they had a chance a chance to do. And uh, that kind of leads me into our next, our next topic, which is Derek Carr is hurt again. Derek Carr has left three games against NFC North opponents with a, a, either a shoulder injury, a concussion, or both. <laughs> And that's what he has right now. He has a concussion, or at least he's in the concussion protocol. He has a shoulder injury, which I assume is the same shoulder injury. And you saw him walk off the field, and he looked a lot like Drew Brees when he walked off the field against, or for the last time as a quarterback of the charge. And I'm not saying that that Derek Carr has torn his whole rotator cuff, but he walked off the field with his elbow bent, like locked forward, was not moving that at all. And that's not how I saw him walk off the field the first two times. So I do wonder if that injury is more significant than maybe the last time when it was more of the concussion and less of the shoulder injury. But these are very similar injuries, and now he's dealing with a back thing. I don't know what what how significant that might be, but it's really hard to imagine a scenario where he's playing next week. No, right, right away you would think, yeah, that – the bing bang boom of injuries for him. It's like, even if he's able to clear the protocol, were you talking about his shoulder right there? That doesn't give me a bunch of confidence at all. No, no. When you're talking about 
talking about the shoulder of a quarterback. Like you're yeah. a, you're a quarterback. That's important. Like I mean, if if you're if your if your shoulder isn't good, uh, you're in trouble. Anyway, you know, and so that kind of leads into it was a kind of a pretty bizarre exchange in the post game with Dennis Allen. He was asked about you know how things went last year with Jameis, who early in the season was dealing with you know pretty crazy injuries and. They made a decision to sit him down as Cat Terrell, Terrell asking this question, and I'll just let yeah, let's let let's let DA talk. Um, you said you felt like you needed to sit Jameis because entries were piling up. Is there a consideration for doing that with Derek now that he's left three times? I think both of those are totally different situations. Well, they both had. They're both totally different situations. In what regard? Also. They're totally different situations. All right, we're not getting into what we did last year, what we're doing this year. All right. Um, Look, Derek's in the concussion protocol right now, so uh, we'll evaluate that as we go. So the concussion is potentially serious. I, I don't know that. I mean, um, uh, he's going in for evaluation on a couple of different things, but he's in the concussion protocol. And look, I didn't mean to shut down your question, but you know, um, yeah. I mean, look, obviously, with injuries, you you, you certainly got to. Uh, pay attention to that, um, but I'm not getting into the the business of we're going to compare things from one year to the next. What the hell was that? It's a totally different situation. Yeah, I, for one thing, it's not a totally different situation. Da is very sensitive about the decision he made to go to Andy Dalton last year. And you can tell just by the way he reacted to that question, which it's like, we know that you wanted to start Andy Dalton. It's not a mystery here. Like we all figured it out when you didn't put Jameis back in. Um, but pretending that this is a different situation, what are you doing? What are you saying that you're going to try to try to trot Derek Carr back out there hurt because you are that committed to this bit? Like, come on, come on. That can't be the only answer you have for me as Derek Carr is getting torn to shreds week in, week out. Um, it's like, you're not doing him any favors, man. You're not doing him any favors. And, you know, part of me wonders if DA is kind of like relieved that he doesn't have to answer questions about how Jameis went in and saved the game. Like, I, <laughs> it's, it's really weird. I don't know why they kept him around. Because it's clear that right. they don't want to use him. It's clear that they don't want to start him. And it's like, like I think that they, it, the, the reason he's here, and this is me, this is pure conjecture by me. Don't take this as me reporting anything. But I think the reason he is here is because the front office was like, hey, it's going to cost us more to cut him than it is to keep him. Is there any way we can just do this for one more year? And he was like, fine. But I mean, are we going to pretend that this is like, like he could have just said, if Derek can't go, we're going to start Jameis. He could That's have said, right. he had a perfect opportunity to say, yes, it is the same situation. If our quarterback is unhealthy and cannot play, if he is not in a position where he can play, I'm going to start the backup. Is that that bold of a statement to make? No, he instead went with this bizarre defense of it's a different situation, which it's like, I don't know. It's like it, it just kind of envelops the idea of like, I don't know why Jameis 
decided to stay other than like, because right. it's very clear. There was obviously nobody else suiting him. His future is not as the Saints starting quarterback. And I don't know. Like that was weird to me. Like that was uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't know where Dennis Allen was going with that at all. I was confused as well. And I don't know. Did he misunderstand something or doesn't know, didn't know how to answer right there and just went that direction. The implication that we should compare this to last year and immediately shut it down. Like that's what that was. I don't know. That's weird to me. Um, I, and so, you know, I asked after the game whether, yeah, you know, and this is me put, I think like, this is me putting the cart way ahead of the horse here. Right. But the question to me is like, okay, so if Derek Carr can't go, who's the starter? Are you going to go with Jameis or are you at the point of the season where it makes more sense to just, I don't know, see what you have in a rookie, see what Jay Kaner can do. Not because he gives you a better chance to win and he probably doesn't. He probably gives you a worse chance to win. But at this point, personally, I think the season is over. Like you can say we have this pie in the sky chance to go make the playoffs and great. I don't think it benefits you to pretend that that's the answer. I want to get answers for other positions. I want to see <laughs> what I have in young players. And if you win on the way, great, fantastic. But I am making decisions for next season so I can figure out, is Jake Hayner even a suitable backup? Is he a guy that we can look at and say, great. And, you know, I get it. Jameis Winston is probably the better chance to win the game next week. But you hear that answer and you think this team is like, even considering that maybe he goes out and balls out and he's the starter. No. So I don't know. I, I kind of look at it like that. Do you imagine that you could see an, uh, an even an increased role for Taysom with Jameis involved? Cause I'm curious about that. How much, how much of the split would be? I mean, increased from this week. No, you're, you're right. They, they definitely shut down the whole Taysom stat again. I mean, yeah, that stat has fallen to pieces, Forget right? Forget it. been shredded. We'll never mention it again. I mean, Taysom Hill had 13 carries for 59 yards. He had average 4.5 yards a carry. He got stoned a few times, but, you know, I think he played pretty well. Uh, one touchdown. Then he had two pass attempts, both incomplete. One was kind of disappointing because he had Chris Olave wide the F open, and he, and he th- underthrew it. And he waited too long. And he also had two catches for 15 yards. So, you know, touches wise, like technically right. you're talking about, you know, 19 touches, you know, 17 touches. That's a, probably a career high. That's a lot for anybody. That's not the starting quarterback. Um, so yeah, I don't know how you could say that he would get an increased role than that. But I do think that that is probably, you know, I think you're going to see closer to that than, you know, Minnesota, right? Like, I don't think it's going to go the other way, you know? And, and I, I tweeted this as well and I'm all over the place. I'm just, I'm just flying all over the handle, but I, I, you will, you will not be able to convince me. And like, I've been, I've been pretty fair to Derek Carr. I think like, it's funny because like the second I post a stat, that's like Derek Carr is the worst red zone quarterback in the league. That's like objectively true. And everyone's like, Oh, you just, you know, you're not seeing reason. I'm like, I think I've been, you know, people think, say I'm being soft on Derek Carr and Dennis Allen. It's like, no, I'm just trying to be fair. I'm just trying to be reasonable in terms of my expectations and and what's realistic and what's fair to criticize someone for. 
Um, but I think I have been I've been more more than fair <laughs> to some of these people. Um, but the question I have is like, you will not be able to convince me that if you had just gone full time Taysom Hill starting quarterback and invested the Derek Carr money literally anywhere else, right? Go find me a pass rusher. Right. Go, go, go find me a, a linebacker, right? Go find me whatever, right? Go find me a safety that's under the age of 30, right? Uh, like go, go sign Jesse Bates, right? Like you would have had the money to con- retain Caden Ellis, stuff like that, right? Like if you had just said, hey, Taysom Hill is the guy, you think if five and seven is the bar? You're telling me that you, you don't think that he, you would not convince me that he could have not gotten you to, I don't know, seven and five with this schedule, right? With the ability to retain Kate Nellis to you know to do whatever you wanted in terms of keeping people around, of course you could have. And at the same time, fans would have been like, you know what? Fine, he's probably not good, and I get it. He's probably not. He's not the next Steve Young. We all accept that. But it would have been an interesting ride, you know. Like it would have been like, hey, let's see. We've we've all rooted for this guy for so long. Give him a chance. What could it hurt? Right. And like, I don't think, you know, if 10 and two was the goal, if nine and three was the goal, yeah, probably not. But if five and seven is the bar and you need to clear that hundred percent Taysom could have done that. And that's the, that's what I think is a kind of a driving force. And like, why this is so frustrating is because you shot high in terms of your expectations for this team this year. And you, you miss that mark so low that it's actually hamstringing you for years and years and years. And you're talking about, do we fire the coach? Do we get rid of the entire coaching staff? Do you retain Derek Carr? You kind of are stuck with him now. And it's like, if you had just kind of committed to, we're going to see what happens with this group. And we're going to give that guy who's been doing all the dirty work a chance. And, you know, maybe Jameis is his backup. And when Taysom Hill inevitably gets hurt, Jason Jameis goes the rest of the way, right? Like there was, there were options there. And instead you chose to go with Derek Carr and it has under delivered so badly that that's why when Derek Carr runs onto the field, you are hearing very specific boos. And it's not even because like, like Derek hasn't been that bad. It's that the promises were so high that he could, he was never going to live up to them. Knowing like after watching the Derek Carr that we have seen, and accept as who he is. And so, yeah, I mean. I, I think the the bad part, obviously, with him, too, it's he's been bad when you've needed him the most. That's when it's really, when he's really been bad. Other than that, you're right. He hasn't been terrible this season, but he hasn't been great either. <laughs> I mean, I actually thought he played pretty well in, like, the second and third quarters of that game, right? Like, he, he engineered a comeback and, you know, it took a very bizarre fumble. I asked D. Caesar Ruiz, was like, has that ever happened to you in your career? He's played guard, right? He's, he's an interior lineman. He said, no. I asked James Hurst, has that ever happened to you before? And he said, no, I've never seen anything like that. Um, it's a freak accident. That's what they both said. James didn't even know that he was the one who knocked the ball out until he got to the sideline. That's how weird that was. And like I asked if it was like, is that a quarterback thing? Is there something Derek did wrong? And they both of them said no. Like they said that he just did his normal. It was just kind of James was six inches from where he might have been otherwise. And Derek maybe was six inches the other direction. And it was just a like a freak thing. When and, shit's not going your way, that's just that's yeah. how it goes. Right. When it rains, it pours kind of thing. Right. And right. You know, it's just funny because like I I was just just like 
just tell like does is that a thing that happens and they were both like no <laughs> like genuinely don't know <laughs> how that happens um but yeah it's it's a whole thing and the segment has gone kind of long and we could probably move on um but yeah this if 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 it's not easy to tell by my by my uh general state of mind this has been a very very frustrating season to i'm sure watch and it has been just as frustrating to cover and for me personally it's like i do try to be fair and and I, and like that's part of the reason people say i'm soft on on the players and the coaches is like no because if you like there's people who have been calling for Dennis Allen to be fired since like week six of last season, right? Like you have to give things a chance to develop. And that's, and it's like, but you, you're at a point now where it's like, you've watched it. How long do you allow this to continue? And um, I'm kind of at a point now where, you know, I think you do. I don't think you fire anyone mid season. I just still, again, I've said this all year. I don't see how that benefits you right now, but I just, I don't know how you watch that and, and come away thinking like, yeah, this, this, this is headed in the right direction. No, sadly, we had the quarterback change and we haven't seen really much of a difference from last season's offense. It's It's been the same old same. And uh, I guess you could even argue it's, it's taken a step backwards even. I agree. I agree. That's a good kind of jumping off point And we get into the next segment. Uh, this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. We're going to come back. We're going to talk what did, didn't work, what did work. Steve's going to refill is bourbon and and we'll dive into it it'll be a little shorter segment and then we'll get into a quick mailbag on the back end thanks everyone for being here as always i'm jeff nowak he is steve geller you can follow me at jeff underscore nowak he's at steve geller wwl and you can follow the show at saints underscore pod again inside black and gold stick around And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I am Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. And this is going to be a segment where we break down what did work, what didn't work, and basically just more airing of frustrations, but more specific in terms of this game. Um, And the the first one for me, and I know that you you feel the same way, and I heard Bobby talking about it. He feels the same way. Tight end Jawan Johnson. Um, This is a guy who is very easy to root for. You know, he's, he's, he's a fun guy. You know, he's, he's very smart. He just had a, he just had his first baby, you know, he and his wife, Shannon are, you know, very great social media stars. They have this huge following on TikTok, and he's a guy who converted from wide receiver had been getting better and better over the last couple of years. He led the team in touchdowns last year. He got a new contract and it was like, okay, expectations are elevated and we expect him to deliver. And instead what you've seen is just, not that. 18 catches for 142 yards. That's obviously only over eight games. He's missed he missed a couple games with that calf injury. And I think he was limited against the Packers in terms of like he was dealing with that injury throughout the week. And you know, he played, but it like he then left missed the next three games and blah blah blah. The the interception today, and we can we can criticize Derek Carr for missing AT Perry open uh, on the other side of the field, but at the end of the day, he took a safe throw underneath to his tight end, who was also open. And you expect the ball to hit your tight end in the hands and for him to catch it. Like, we can criticize Derek Carr for not making a different throw, but at the end of the day, 
your tight end is supposed to be your security blanket. It's supposed to be the guy you can just get a safe five, six yards. This is the first play of the game. You're not necessarily looking for a bomb throw on the first play of the game. You're looking for positive yardage. So I can't blame the quarterback for throwing it to his tight end. But that ball just hit him on the hands and bounced up. Like, he didn't just drop it. He knocked it up into the air. And, like, that's – man – like, you not only are not contributing, you are actively scoring points for the other team. He had two other targets in that game. The One one of them was from Taysom Hill, which I would call a drop. I don't know if it'll technically be called a drop, but I'm going to call it a drop. And he had another one that was definitely catchable. So he had three targets in that game. He failed to catch all three of them. The other tight ends, Jimmy Graham caught a touchdown, which mystery continues in terms of he's, he's got two catches and two touchdowns. Like, why are we not using him? Anyway, moving on. Uh, Austin Morrow had a had a productive game. He had two catches and 30-something yards. Jawan Johnson is supposed to be the tight end one. You, you paid him, and you go into these games, and you watch these Sam Laporta and TJ Hawkinson and Cole. Oh, right. Just eat the Saints' defense a lot at the, from the tight end position. And then you watch the Saints' tight ends, and you're like, you're going like, to poke them with a stick. Are they alive? You know? <laughs> we did get Jimmy sighting. We did, and and good. Like he's in my stock up in terms of right, we asked right. him to do one thing, and he did it. Um, <laughs> I think he might, might have been the same play as he scored on against the Packers. It looked very similar, but like you know, I came into this season with very high expectations yes. for Jawan Johnson, and you know, of all the things that under underwhelmed this season, he might be at the top of the list. I totally agree with you, and I, I said this in the post game off mic with Bobby, and I was like, I promise you, I will never overvalue anything that I see in training camp because yeah. I really thought that Juwan was poised for another huge leap up this season. And today it was like, what happened to your hands? <laughs> Just uh, totally, you know, mouth dropped, mouth dropped. I, I, it's not the same guy. I don't know what's going on with him uh, kind of thing. I don't think he's been dealing with any injuries, you know, since coming back. It just, I mean, the the hands were the issue here, and I don't know if it's a lack of concentration. I thought he was coming in early. I remember with Derek Carr trying to get, you know, in vibe with him, and we we have not seen it. It just hasn't been, uh, hasn't been something that uh, has come out at all. Like it hasn't been even like a, a glimpse of the breakout game for Jawan kind of thing. Yeah, and and it seemed well. It seemed like he was coming along, right? Like he had a couple decent games, not nothing crazy yardage wise, but he had a touchdown against the Bears. You know, he had a he had a you know four catches, I think, against Atlanta. But like this is a game where you went into it without two of your top three wide receivers. And Chris Olave, you know, he cleared the concussion protocol. He had another good game, hundred yards receiving, I think, one hundred nineteen. Well, you know, a good chunk of that came on a bizarre tip ball, um, which you know. <laughs> At least something went the Saints' way. They almost got lucky again. There was another play that tipped off, I want to say, Alvin's hands. And, like, I thought for a second Marquez came up with it. And if that had happened, I'd be like, oh, they're going to win this game. (laughs) It's finally their moment. Um, But, yeah, this is a game where it's like you need Juwan. Like, you came into this, like, you're down. So many playmakers. Like, someone's got to step up, and that should be zero. Nada. No catch. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I don't know what his deal is. Uh, it's not good. Moving on to, you know, we talked about this, but yeah, Colt, not Cole Komet, but he was another one. Uh, <laughs> Sam Laporta, just the latest uh, in a series of tight ends eating your lunch. Nine catches monster. on nine t- 
targets every single time they threw the ball to Sam Laporta in this game. He caught it. Of course. He caught it. 140 yards and a touchdown. And and one of those catches was on third down late in the game. The Saints had third and what, seven? And you get off the field and you get the ball back and you have a chance to go win the game, right? Nope. Yeah. He threw it to Sam Laporta and that's the easy button. Like it's going to be a catch. The next the, wrong, you know. I mean, geez, they make this. this, this same, if, if, if like any tight end who's trying to get a contract, <laughs> just like hopefully, oh, we got the Saints on the schedule. Woo! Let's do it. But man, it's been hard. It's it's hard seeing that. Obviously, it's it's been consistent position that's been able to dominate the team. Yeah. What what also you know the the, the strange thing to me was Da after the game was asked about why Sam Laporta had such an easy time, like why they were unable to stop him, and he said that you know one of the reasons was that they were devoting extra resources to take away Amon Ross St. Brown, which is interesting. And to be fair. For the most part, they did that. Amon Ross St. Brown had two catches. I want to say 49 yards, right? One of them was a long touchdown. I think he was either on the second possession or the third possession. It was one of their touchdowns in the first half. And he had one other catch in the game for 24 yards. But, you know, they, they did, for the most part, take him away. My issue is, to me, that kind of gets away from your core beliefs as a defense. And I get it. You don't have Marshawn. But... My un, like the the whole like the the build of this defense is supposed to be you go man to man and you take away receivers and then you you that frees you up to play over the top or to come up and run support or you know to to take away tight ends and it's like you know that tight ends have been destroying you yet your defensive scheme was to take away a receiver. And and allow Jordan Howden to have to defend Sam Laporta one on one all day long, yeah, and I just right. think that was a mistake. Right? Was it going to take you to finally make an adjustment when Laporta went ten targets, ten catches? Is that right. is that the maybe that at halftime when you see like this is not working? Yeah. Although to be fair, in fairness, even though Sam Laporta went off, the defense did hold up pretty well in the second half of that game. It obviously. You know, I think that last possession, it was like, you know, they're throwing a Sam Laporta. You know, they're throwing a Sam Laporta. <laughs> and they did it. Um, and it's like, can you just give Jordan some help? I thought Jordan had a kind of a rough game. I don't think yeah. he had his best game. He's a rookie. It happens. Um, but yeah, that, that's just the tight ends thing, man. It's it's brutal. It's amazing how, at least for me, I am more forgiven because he is the rookie. I didn't think he was totally trash. So I can't get too down on how to, but it was a rough game. Oh, no, I mean, he didn't play terribly. He just played like a rookie. Like yeah. he just played like a guy who was kind of put into a role that he might not have been particularly ready for against the team that is offered a very difficult matchup. But I think he is the better option long-term. So I'm okay with that. Like he's going to take his lumps. Again, like the defense I thought came up reasonably well in the second half of that game. I mean, again, they scored 21 of their 33 points in the first five minutes. And then, and then seven more points came after a crazy turnover, right? So, like, in the in the situations that were outside of that first five minutes and not after that awful turnover, the defense allowed five points. No, that doesn't make sense. Six points. Right. Uh, moving, moving on. Um, the next one for me, the kind of – and a weird one, but it's – 
you know, I think Kat Terrell pointed this out earlier in the week, and it's definitely fair. So you you talk about an offense and you talk about the openers. And what are the openers, right? The openers are the scripted plays that every team does. Like they have a they have usually a script or something like 15 plays to start a game where, you know, and then the Saints have talked about this is like they've actually been eaten alive by scripted plays and they're getting unscouted looks. And I think the Saints team is much better when they know what's coming in terms of they're into just kind of the based offense that they've scouted and they can have an idea of what the tendencies are in those openers. Teams will get a little more creative. They'll give you looks you haven't seen before. And a lot of times that will catch you off guard as a defense for the saints. It seems like the opposite is true, right? So you look at the first drive, obviously turnover next drive on, on one play next drive, three and out next drive. Three and out. Next drive. You get a first down. It's five and out. You play. You run five plays and you punt. So that is your first twelve plays of the game have generated twenty-two yards of offense, three punts, and a turnover. Go to the next drive when you are theoretically out of the scripted portion of your offense. Right. This is when you are just kind of into your offense. Thirteen play drive. 94 yards, which is net. So you actually had a 10-yard penalty, but you overcame it. 94 yards for a touchdown. 13 plays, 94 yards for a touchdown. So in the scripted portion of your offense, you were inept in every sense of the word. The second you got out of that, you you drove the field for a touchdown. Does that not seem like a problem to you? Does that seem like the script writers need editors? Like... If this was a script for a movie, that movie would never get made because it's a terrible movie. The script sucks. What? <laughs> it takes too long to get into it to be interested. There's nothing from the start. It's no, there's no pop at the beginning. Right, right. It's just a movie with a bunch of old dudes sitting around a table being like, ah, oh, remember the good old days. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's just a problem. Like, you know, like you watch these other teams and they just go straight down the field because they have a plan and it works. <laughs> Saints, I don't know if the plan isn't working. I don't know if the execution isn't there. But like these are scripted plays at the beginning of the game and they never seem to work. So it's like at a certain point, just don't script them. At a certain point, it's like if the script isn't working, just get rid of the script and, and just start with your tempo offense and just go from there. Like the more and more you get dive into this team and like the, like again – you are not seeing a team that's getting better. That's one of the tenets of what made the Sean Payton and Drew Brees era so good is the Saints often struggled early in the year, but they got better as the season went on. Look, 2017, you started 0-2. It was doom and gloom, right? Well, yeah, but you had an eight-game win streak or whatever in the middle of that season, and you turned things around, you got to the playoffs, and you are playing your best football when you get into the postseason. That is not the case right now and and like that's just i think the scripted plays are just a great indicator of that like there is it's not working the like i said before it's like the offense is the same old thing from last season different quarterback more money but same results like and it looks like even worse yeah <laughs> Andy Dalton right. could be five and seven, right? That's like as my guy. My point from the last segment was like, right? You could never, if you had, a, you could have kept Taysom Hill, invested money somewhere else, and uh, like 
you, I mean, it's like five and seven. Like I could, t- a lot of people could go five and seven. <laughs> yeah. I don't hate that. Take it off from you because I, I don't, I, I totally think that's possible too. And you could have vested that money wherever you wanted instead of on the quarterback that is failing. All right. So, so that's all I got for, for stock down. Did you have any others? Um, trying to think, you know, it's uh, no, no, no one really in the stock down category. You haven't mentioned though. Okay. That's fair. Because everyone did so well. I just like off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone, and I, I just felt like we piled on enough right now. Yeah, I mean, stock down Derek Carr's health, right? <laughs> right. Derek Carr's right. brain health. Um, the, what the Saints are left on the hook for—that's that's not stock down. Michael Thomas's social media presence, that sort of thing. You know, we don't need to do that. Um, Mike, so yeah, let's, much love for Mike T, though. But yes, yeah, stay off social media. It's just, it's not helping anybody. Let's put it that way. So let's close this out with just a quick stock up segment. The first one, Saints red zone offense. We talked about it all week. It it was bad. You know, I, it, like the approach was bad. The execution was bad. I thought today, you know, granted against a bad red zone defense, we talked about that going in. But like, to me, it's like, if you couldn't get it done in the red zone against this defense, then that's a, that's, that's a huge problem. You know, and, and so they went four for four in the red zone. It's what kept you alive, right? Like the difference, what what kept the Saints within spitting distance in this game was the Lions had to settle for field goals, which they did twice and in the red zone. And the Saints scored touchdowns all four times. They ran the ball in the red zone. They obviously got Jimmy Graham involved. I just thought the approach was much more effective and 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 designed. And like you didn't get behind the sticks. You didn't have any bad penalties. The execution was good. So like I can't complain about that. Like I spent all week complaining about it, and they came out and they put on a good red zone showing. And if it wasn't for some of these other crazy things that happened, that might have been enough to go win a game. If you had done some, if you had had a performance like that last week, you one hundred percent would have beaten the Falcons, but you didn't. And so you know, it's like it's, it just seems like every game, it's one thing that doesn't work, and you fixed one thing from last week, but then something else breaks. And so, you know, that, that's that's kind of where we're at. But I can't complain about the red zone offense. They did do a good job today. Yeah, surprisingly, there's nothing that you can say. You know, when you're perfect, four for four, all, all, all's good there. You're just, you know, surprised that it took so long to, to get things in order enough to, to be that way. It was amazing. I know that's going to be probably uh, one of the guys in, you, you mentioned and obviously stock up. Jimmy Graham, hey, what do you know, the, the guy that, his one job is to catch touchdowns in the red zone came through doing just that. Yeah. He caught a touchdown in the Superdome. Like that's cool. I'm excited <laughs> for him. Cool. We, we like that. Yeah. Like the season is rough. Um, so I'm going to take small victories and that's one of them. All right. Moving forward. I only have a couple more and they're both linebackers. Nephi Sewell, you know, I didn't, it, it wasn't always perfect, right? Like I think he struggled in coverage a little bit, you know, uh, it's first, he's a UDFA, a second year pro who was thrust into action for the first time in terms of real action. And he obviously, there's going to be some struggles. I think in the early part of the game, he and the rest of the defense were just kind of overwhelmed. But I thought he came on real strong. I thought he made some really nice plays in the second half. He was tied for the team lead in tackles. He had two TFLs. There was one play that I think they ran a reverse and he just, he just got, he, he kind of just bent under a block and like made a play in the backfield. You know, like, I think he made a couple nice tackles. You didn't know what to expect without Pete Werner. 
There's a lot of reasons you lost this game. There's a lot of things that went wrong. I thought that Nephi was not one of them. I thought that he was solid. And so, you know, good for him. Uh, I think one of the things this team has done well over the years is develop linebackers. And maybe he could be another one. Yeah, that was a cool little side adventure to this game was the brother versus brother aspect. And then, yeah, uh, I didn't realize, uh, obviously, there's they have another brother who also plays for the Bears. And then there's also uh, in the USFL. Yeah, and then they had two uncles. Who played in the NFL? It's like the family. It's like the family business of that of the Sewells is uh, NFL football. Literally, literally, literally football in the blood, but uh, awesome for Sewell, who you know, you know, get, getting his opportunity. And it, like you said, wasn't perfect, but it uh, was really someone who made who made an impact on the team for sure. Like you said, tied with tackles, uh, made his uh, presence in the backfield there, and just interested to see what obviously someone he could do going forward might be I don't know how long Pete Warner is going to end up being out right and like this is a like if there was any game that I was worried about Pete missing in terms of a team that runs the ball the way the Lions do you know it's it's on it's on the linebackers like the linebackers have to get off blocks and make tackles and while this Saints team couldn't tackle worth a lick just generally speaking um I thought I thought Nephi did a good job of that so he's on my stock up list the, the other one is uh Zach Bond you know a guy who I have been wondering for so long why they didn't, why they, he's never been used as a pass rusher. <laughs> it's what he did well in college. <laughs> it just makes sense for whatever reason. They just cannot find ways to incorporate him. Well, today he gets, he gets a chance to rush the passer and he does a really good job. He has, he gets some nice bend around the edge there. He beat a tackle, got up for a sack, he had another tackle for loss. Like, I, I don't understand the usage of Zach Bond. I don't know why you drafted him if you're not going to use him in terms of what he does well. Um, he also had a nice play in coverage that didn't count because of a hold on DeMario on the other side of the field. But it's like the one play that Sam Laporta got targeted and didn't make a catch, he was the one who covered him. Um, granted, like, it obviously didn't count. But if Sam had caught it, it would have counted because they would have declined the penalty. So, you know, I can't... You, unders- I, I think- you undersold the sack. First career sack. Yeah, yeah. Well, how, but that's my how point. unreal is that? Yeah, like you exactly. say, un- underutilized, m- miss, you know, misput in this off the, the defense for whatever reason. You know, you knew why you drafted him, but for some reason, never put him in that the position to be that guy. Well, the problem is, is he's an outside linebacker uh, on a four three defense. It never made sense. The, he's one of those. He's one of those players that you know. I think they they call him a ninety nine or something like that, where it's like. He's not a scheme fit, but he's talented. So it's like maybe we will take him because he dropped and we'll see if we can figure out a way to use him. Uh, Cause like, he's not a, he's not a scheme fit for the saints. He's not a four, three linebacker. He's a three, four linebacker, but they just never found a way to use him as a pass rusher. And you saw like what you saw today, like that's, that's his best skill is rushing the passer. <laughs> um, and so, you know, maybe that's something we can see more of, you know, especially with Marshawn out, you're going to need to generate a pass rush. So man, maybe over these last five games, Zach can go out there and earn himself a contract. That the Saints won't give him <laughs> like Caden. Um, and uh, we'll see. But, I, you know, he's on my stock up list. I thought he had a solid day. Yeah, well, I'm I'm happy for the guy. After three years, he finally got his first sack. Thank, thank you, Zach Bond, for contributing and actually being a pass rusher for this squad. It was amazing to see. I can't re- remember the last time we saw the, the quarterback get – taken down with that much effort feels like a while (laughs) 
the the last one I'll mention, Alvin Kamara. You know, he just keeps doing Alvin Kamara things. He if like he's he's been trying for a while now to carry this offense, kicking and screaming to competence, and uh, he's takes he takes them as far as he can every week, and you know. This was another example of that, you know, he just, he's just efficient. He makes plays uh, today at 14 carries, 51 yards, not a great average, but you know, two touchdowns. Um, he became the saints franchise leader in rushing touchdowns two separate times because <laughs> the first right. time they, they overturned it and then the Taysom ran it in. So, so, so they like, they, they had the whole celebration like, Oh, we're franchise rushing leader. And then, they took it back and then he got it later in the game. Um, but, you know, he also had six catches for 58 yards. He's leading the NFL in catches for running backs and he missed the first three games of the season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's always Alvin's always going to be Alvin. And, you know, I think Nick Underhill tweeted this and it, it's like it's a it's a shame because, you know, is Alvin going to miss the Hall of Fame because this offense eroded around him in ways he had no control over? Because, you know, I think that he's a Hall of Fame type talent running back. And this offense has just been so bad that he's been kind of just flung off to the side in terms of the conversations. Like even like fantasy football conversations, no one talks about him anymore. He did like, you know, seriously injure a guy on the sideline today. And we didn't talk about that. That was wild. Um, Nick Piazza is a chain gang guy. He's, we got an update. He had a dislocated knee, which was like, Oh man, it looked awful on television. Yeah. For sure. and he's, a, he's at the university medical center. Um, doesn't sound like he's going to need surgery, but man, that's, Oh God. So uh, I don't even want to think about it. That makes me cringe just thinking about it. And they show you, you could see it on the broadcast. Like they didn't even show necessarily a replay. You could just see it live. Um, because he just rolled right up into him and his leg was just pointing the, not the right way. Yeah, I made Bobby wanted to see it, so I made the mistake of looking up the replay on Twitter, and it was not pretty. No, don't look for it. Nah. Um. Yeah. Hopefully, you know. Yeah. Hopefully, he can. Uh, he can get back from that. I mean, that's yeah. That. Oh God. I just. Oh, it's just painful to think about. Um, you head on the swivel on the sideline, son. Well, right. That's why, like, when I say like, I, I run for my life when guys are coming at me. It's like because that's I don't want my leg breaking. Um, like even like Sean Payton, remember when Sean Payton got hit by Jimmy Graham and he was like broke his leg? Like it's not that difficult. These guys are huge and they're going real fast. It's like getting hit by a car over there. Yeah, you're not going to gain anything out of this what at all. Is yeah, you're you not winning, like you're not winning in that uh, that collision. Um, all right, you that, can't go to Boris Bart and him even getting you a settlement or anything. Right, <laughs> one call. That's all. Um, Okay, that's all I got. Any, anything else you want to add for the stock up before we move on? Uh, I'll give a shout out to Chris Olave just being able to. Good game. Yep. Yeah, good game. Getting through the concussion protocol, I guess that's really nothing that he did. I guess you would say on his end, but thankfully, I, I thought I thought that was going to be a big difference maker for this team in the game. Um, he at least had a, a decent game, but. Would would love to see him get in the end zone, obviously. Yes, his brain performed very well today. Yeah, it, was, it. it wasn't all, you know, him in La La Land. He, he wasn't, yeah, it didn't, it wasn't. It wasn't ping ponging around in there. It was very stable and and secure, and uh, that's what you want to see from a from a brain. No one was giving him dirty looks about running wrong routes or anything. No, no, he ran the correct routes as far as I could tell. Although Jameis did miss him on a pretty important play there, which was very frustrating. 
All right, let's close this segment out. We're going to come back and do a quick mailbag. This All is right. Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. We are talking about the Saints, 28. Lions, I almost forgot the team. The Lions, 33. The Fighting Dan Campbells, MCDC, 33-28. What's up? I slipped and called them the Detroit Vikings today. I don't know why, but I did. There were probably some Vikings in Detroit at some point. You got water Detroit, there, right? The Detroit Vikings. <laughs> okay. Motor City. More like... I don't know. I, I don't know what I was going with that. Anyway, this is Inside Black and Gold. Stick around. We will be right back. black and gold one more segment here we're gonna dive into the mailbag and what i just learned in the mailbag is a bunch of people are complaining that we don't fucking curse enough and complain about uh let's see let's see uh, there's some funny things here let's let's just go through it facp monitoring which i don't even know what that means but you know, not a, not a nick saban fan to express what you want to, guys. Why can't you curse? We can curse. Would that make you happier if we if we just started swearing more? I don't know. We talk on the radio for a living, and getting in the habit of cursing offhand is not a safe thing to do. That's like genuinely. That's the one of the main reasons that I try not to just just swear off the wall constantly. Because if I get in the habit of doing it, <laughs> and I'm getting up into a rant on the radio i will just drop an f-bomb and then be like oh shit and then i'll be double it that's uh, genuinely like there's nothing stopping me from cursing on this podcast i just don't think it's helpful uh, like i have i have words um but i do there, think it's there's been times but i mean I'm, I'm not we're not going into it like every other word like we're doing the scarface reenaction yeah but it's not even just FACP monitoring, which I don't even know what that means. Gina Bobina with a poop emoji says, you two douchebags need to curse and let it all hang out like T-Bob after an LSU loss. Now, I'm not, and I'm not T-Bob. I'm not going to, you know, T-Bob is his own special person and I'm not going to pretend to be T-Bob. No. We are two douchebags though. But I am a douchebag. <laughs> uh, but it's not even over. The best, my favorite one, my favorite one. This moderator is probably an intern who hates his life and wants to allow the comments that are bashing the Saints, but he will get fired, even though he doesn't make any money. You know who picks the comments? <laughs> you know, yeah, that intern, I'll, uh, I'll find him because he doesn't exist. We don't have an intern. We don't have a moderator. This is it, guys. This is the operation. It's me and Steve. That's it. There's no one else. You're imagining this. The person behind the curtain is me. <laughs> it's no one. Um, I just think it's funny. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. We don't want to leave the comments bashing the saints. It's like, hey, you can make all the comments you want. What are you talking about? We're not blocking anything unless you're racist or, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> like, you can say whatever the hell you want. I don't care. Um we're not this my favorite part of facp monitoring's becca good job with the true comments gina bobina and then she says thanks facp you're a real one and then this is the truest thing 
He says, Gina, these two guys don't make any money from WWE. <laughs> well, man, these they, man, they got me. They're spot on analysis now. <laughs> that one hurts. That cuts deep. That cuts to the core. That one hurts the most, right? <laughs> oh God. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate. It. I enjoyed that. Um, Tim, Tim Fabenro. Let's get into the real questions. It's not even a question. It says, what we are witnessing is a head coach who's too proud to change. Simple. You know, and, and I, I kind of agree. You know, like one, you know, being rigid as a head coach and 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 not, you know, there's a lot of ways that being a head coach can go the wrong way. You know, that that, that it can fail, that it can, you know, not res- yield the results that that are obvious that you should be seeing, you know, where you see the same types of problems cropping up over and over again where you see, you know, lack of discipline from the players, that sort of thing. You know, I, I don't even know if it's a lack of a lack of willingness to change. I think it's just a lack of ingenuity. It's just like you're very rigid and you're not like Pete Carmichael was the least innovative choice you could have gone with as a as a offensive coordinator and whether there was better options on the table or whether you just felt like this was like the consistency was what you wanted it's not working but he's sean's right hand man yeah and it, and it didn't work last year and it's not oh, working okay. this year and you know i think da is who he is i think he's a very good defensive coordinator i just don't think that he's cut out to be a head coach i'm it's just sad this year that the defense has had this drop off and that they can't even hang their hat on that right now yeah at, at times, not not saying you know it's it's a constant problem, but you know obviously early on in games we've constantly seen that inconsistency, as Alvin would say, consistently inconsistent. Is, yeah, I mean, I, I think they've been the identity. Pretty, I mean, I think they've been pretty consistently bad. Like not bad. Like they're not a bottom ten defense, but they're not a top ten defense. They're 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 in the middle, you know. And if you had an elite offense, like if you're the Chiefs, you can you can survive a, a, middle, a middling defense, right? If you're the Bills and you have kind of that offensive firepower and, and an elite quarterback, you can survive that. If you are a mediocre offense and a mediocre defense, you're a mediocre team. And that's what the Saints are. They're very much a mediocre team. They're 500 at best football team. Um, and that's what you're seeing. You're seeing a 500 football team. I was going to say some would argue below mediocre good so. Well, I mean they're below they're below 500 right now. They have 5 games left against bad teams that they're going to end up somewhere around 8 and 9 or 9 and 8. By the way, I got to go real quick and throw this in the stock down segment. Sorry, Jamal Williams, no Detroit Lions revenge game. What happened to you, bro? He looks like he is running with cement on his feet. I mean, there was one play that I was like, oh, he's going to finally break for like a 10 to 15 yard gain. He got to the edge of the field and it was like, are you running? What are you doing? And he just kind of like skirted out of bounds. It's like, dude, he just doesn't look right. I don't know. Maybe he just never got back fully from the hamstring. I don't know. But he is not a weapon in this offense. So I agree with you. I, he, he was actually on my list too, and I completely forgot about him. But 2.0 yards per carry in this game. Two point sad, sad because he's obviously a likable dude, but definitely not has not been likable in the stat sheet. Saints have a lot of likable dudes. <laughs> Five carries for ten yards. I don't like that. Nah. A long of four. KD says hello, darkness, my old friend. Feel that. Yeah. 
we've seen a lot of bad football again. Saints defense looks old, guys. Saints for life says they needed to address both the offensive line and defensive line in the offseason. That's tough to do. That's a lot. That's a lot you're asking for. You know, the defensive line is is kind of weird. You know, Cam played in this game. He didn't play a full allotment of snaps. I think he played like 30 snaps maybe. So you you saw, a, you know, he was limited obviously by whatever, by that ankle injury. Yeah. Um, and I'm just going to be honest. I think that a limited snap share is what you need to go with for Cam. Like he's not an every down player anymore. He's still a very good football player, but he is not a three down defensive end right now. Um, I think he's a run defensive end. I don't think he's a pass rushing defensive end. I don't think he's a guy you should have on the field on pass downs. I did think, you know, I think you still like Brian Brzee has played pretty well. He had a couple really nice rushes in this game. I thought he 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 destroyed one drive, that drive before the half for the Lions. Like he ended it with a perfect spin move. He got off field. So I mean that's promising. Isaiah Foskey, I'll have to go back and watch the tape and see how how he looked in this game. First game back. You know, I, I think there are pieces on the defensive line. There are pieces on the offensive line, but yeah, it's it, I think old is a good way to describe it. It's it's not a fast defense my problem's really in the middle of the d line i just haven't seen enough from saunders and shepherd honestly yeah i will say you know we talk about this like i thought you know the the run game for the lions did very well to start but i think the saints actually stopped the run pretty well you talk about gibbs like gibbs is their leading rusher he had eight carries for 60 yards well his first carry was 36 yards right so like the they kind of got gashed early in the game but so that means his final seven carries, he netted 24 total yards, right? So you're talking about 3.2 yards a carry. David Montgomery, 18 carries for 56 yards. That's 3.1 yards a carry. Jamison Williams, yeah, so their average is higher because Jamison Williams had a carry, one carry for 19 yards. That was the touchdown right after the fumble um, in the second half. And then Khalif Raymond had one carry for nine yards. I believe that was an end around. So like, the traditional run game really didn't generate that much. And obviously Jared Goff, two carries for negative two yards. You know, his his total, I think he had 23 rushing yards going in. Now he has 21. Um, so, I mean, I actually thought that from that perspective, the Saints, you know, one of the things I thought the Saints needed to do today was stop the run and Detroit 142 rushing yards. You know, when you consider they allowed 200 something to the, to the Falcons last week, I think that's actually, you know, and they allowed 50 rushing yards on that opening drive. I think that that's actually a pretty solid day. My only problem is they, they were able to do it after it was 21 nothing. So, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I agree with that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that was the reality you were in. There was a point in that game that I thought it was going to be a 40-point loss. Oh, man. I thought we were I thought we were looking – we were staring at a Denver-Miami type – game for a second there uh you know it's the 50 point loss like and you know i think there might be people who would have preferred that because tough to survive that um right and and just as usual with this team it's like they get you right off the bat and they they hit you in the gut right and then wait a minute hold on are they trying to make a could they really oh wait a minute they're so uh you just got kicked now in the groin and they did it to you again. But I was, I was ready for the groin kick this time. I wasn't fooled two weeks in a row too. Like 
the fumble by Taysom at the, like the five where you, it looked like they were going to go in and take the lead. Um, it was a 14 to 12 game at that point and they fumbled in this game. I think they were down six. They got the ball back and it was the first play. They had turnovers. They didn't just have two turnovers in this game. They had two turnovers on the first play of a drive um, when they were down one score in a game that they spent a majority of the time down multiple scores. Uh, so, yeah. And they had all the momentum. Like, that fumble, and it was such a bizarre fumble. They always find a way. It'll go in, like, the butt fumble category. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think about that. that. That's like a legendary. Like this was just a, like, like even you know, like I, I again, I went and asked Caesar and and James. It was like, because like, like what happened? And they were just like, I don't know. It was weird. It's just a bad luck thing. Like that's just something that you could run a hundred plays and it would never happen again. It was just that, just this like weird confluence of events that resulted in. I don't even know what part of James knocked it out, but yeah. Have to go like slow, super slow mo. Zoom in. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's one. Same for life. Players hear what's going on with the fan base, even though they'll pretend they don't. Did you guys see the stands? I seen more Detroit Lions fans than Saints fans, which was eye opening. And i I have never seen that many road fans in the Superdome. Like the Cowboys, there was a Cowboys game a couple of years ago where there was a lot of road fans. Um, this was this was the most I've I've ever seen. That was the uh, the lion sideline side, right? What does that mean? I don't know. I'm just saying it'd be more populated with Lions fans on the Lions sideline side. But I hear you. There was, it was oh, definitely- oh 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 yeah. So you're, you're asking if that was the side of the field that the Lions team was on? Yeah yeah yeah. yeah I, I don't know. It, it, yeah. it was a ridiculous amount of blue there today, and like you said, it easily popped out of any hoodat who was wearing black and gold. Obviously, the cheer when the Lions ran onto the field. For warm-ups was louder than the cheer when the Saints ran on the field. Ah, gross. Yeah. But, I mean, that's what, like, that's that's when you're bad for a long time, and then suddenly you're good. It's like fans get excited. They've been waiting, you know? And, and New Orleans is a destination. They're like, oh, yeah, let's go to let's go to New Orleans. Why not? Let's go rip up Bourbon Street and watch them take down the Saints. Right. Yeah. And I don't blame him. Okay. St. John Butler, they're talking about AK potentially getting traded, right? He says, hate to think of AK in another uniform, but he deserves better. The problem is the way the Saints operate, I don't know if you, I don't know what team would take on that contract. You know, it's, it's complicated. Um, and the players don't mind it because they get their money guaranteed, but I, I don't, it's going to be tough to trade him. Like, I don't, like, you'd basically be giving away for nothing because, yeah. Well, I would think the Denver Broncos may be interested. Maybe. <laughs> Mark says, start Hainer, see what you got. He's a winner. You win and focus on draft an O-lineman or pass rusher. He sucks. We get a higher draft pick and go for a quarterback. You know, like, and 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 that's why when I when I say, like, I think you're, like, personally, if I was making the decision, I'm at the point where I see what I have in the young players, and if you win in the process, great. You're late enough in the season that, you know, you can improve your draft stock if you don't win, right? And and I'm not saying you try to lose, but at a certain point, put Trevor Penning in the game, right? Put Jake Hayner in the game. See what you have in young players. Play Isaiah Foskey. Play Brian Brzee on three downs. Like, like get them reps and sure, you might lose some games in the process, but that, 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 Time on task is invaluable. 
And it's like, if you like, either you have something in those guys or you don't, but you need to know that and not getting that information. It was like the reason that I was so annoyed that, you know, last year, you know, they, they trotted out Andy Dalton and, week 18 i was like what are you doing like what are you what are you trying to prove to yourself um but yeah it's uh it's a whole thing uh i mean i think obviously you give Jameis the ball huh i mean you're, i don't know about getting on the hainer train just yet uh, i think i think this week is probably too early right i think i'm probably jumping the gun on that um like if you lose another game particularly one of the panthers <laughs> then i think you can admit to yourself that I don't care what mathematically exists. It's time to look to the future. I'm just got my, like I said, my fingers are crossed right now. Sunday, we're talking about what happened between Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton in the Superdome. I think it'd be an epic showdown. Rooting for you. Yeah. 504K says, Steve, what you sipping on? Uh, Some bourbon, Basil Hayden. Uh, but I decided to stop sipping or else I was going to be like wiped out for this podcast. And I can't do that. I'm already wiped out. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. One more. Does Dennis Allen get fired now? Question mark after the season is over. Question mark. Again, I don't think the Saints team is going to make moves in season. I don't say that would benefit you. Um, so we'll see, but I would expect no, not until the end of the season. And we'll have to see what they do at that point. All right, if, let's do one yeah, more. If you look the way this team is trending right now, it does not look like a playoff contender. Obviously, anything can happen in the wild, wild NFC South. But if they do not make the top of the division uh, and therefore a spot in this playoffs, then I think, yeah, then you're looking at a, a coaching change. But other than that, we're ride, ride or die with Dennis and Carr until the end of this year. I agree. All right. And uh, A Camp's Hit House says, when I get older and closer to my death, I will always remember the 2022-2023 oh. Saints team shaved a few extra years off of my life. <laughs> I, I don't know for that, but it's fair because, man. I just like, you know, and I've not been pretty outspoken about this. I watch football for fun. I don't watch it to be upset. I don't watch it to get angry. I watch it because I like to root for my team and for my team to not disappoint me relentlessly. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, the Saints have not been able to avoid that this year and last year and the year before that. It's the terrible cliche of, you know, two two steps forward, three steps back kind of deal. Uh, and the fact that we've seen them get in their own way a lot, too. Yes. But all right, that's going to wrap it up for us on this episode of Inside Black and Gold. Thanks, everyone who has hung out, everyone who dropped in a question, everyone who said mean things. I thrive on it, so I appreciate it. Keep it coming. It fuels Jeff. He loves the hatred. Yeah, I get I get paid in mean tweets. I don't know if people realize that. That's actually my currency. He gets bonuses, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most people don't. Most people don't know about that. Um, but all right, I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow him at Steve Geller WWL. You can follow the show at Saints underscore Pod. You can check out the latest news, notes, and analysis at www.com. You gotta you say also- follow this fucking podcast. Don't curse Steve. 
We'll get in trouble. We're gonna get the E. <laughs> we don't need the E. Don't worry. They don't listen that far in the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> <sighs> but all right. Thanks, y'all. Who dat? Go Saints. Who dat indeed. Easy, y'all. Peace.